Benjamin, not AI, Sullivan. Welcome to the Dark AI Bimazano. <laughs> Welcome to the special edition of uh, All Things AI. Yes. Let's get into it. But before we do, we're rolling into dark mode now with a bit of a special or nuanced opening, right? Which is to kick off with a terrible dad joke, an amazing pun or something in between. So have you got something prepared? I, I do. I know you do. And I'm excited for this <laughs> one because I heard it throughout last week and it, uh, it, made, me, it made me chuckle quite aloud. Well, just like all great dad jokes, you just, you really just recycled the good ones. And yeah. uh, thanks to your entry into mentioning something like this, we just absolutely ran with the ball. So here's the opening. Ben, you mentioned dark mode hit the top 20 in Kenya last week. Can you believe it? <laughs> uh, it actually made me laugh like proper out loud when, uh, when I heard that. <laughs> Well, when you sent the screenshot, I was like, that, that is great. But I thought you maybe missed the opportunity. I couldn't let you open that door that far and not run with it. I definitely didn't even realize there was a door on hinges that I could have swung it. <laughs> you definitely picked it up and ran with it. But that is a true story. I, I am unsure who listens to it in Kenya or whether that is just someone has a VPN on in some city in Kenya. But either way, we appreciate y'all. We appreciate y'all and we'll take it. So yeah. there you go. And Chuff. stay tuned for more puns and jokes and all sorts of things. Because, yes. Uh, I'm excited for yours next episode, Ben. Yeah, watch out. There's going to be some good ones. I have to get a bad run with the old dad joke. But I'll tell you what, funny. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? What are we I talking about in this episode, Gabe Marzano? I'm excited for this one. Very excited. I, uh, on puns, made a bit of a joke that Elon Musk has entered the chat Bot because all the rave this week has been, of course, about XAI, Elon, Elon Musk. Can I speak? <laughs> Elon Musk, AI company, releasing Grok, uh, a bit of a tip to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there, which is cool. All things philosophical life debates and what is the meaning of life. We can get into that a little bit later. But of course, concurrently, with only, within only one or two days, OpenAI held their inaugural dev day. So we're going to dive really deep into both sides of the coin. Again, oscillating around artificial intelligence, Benjamin, not AI Sullivan. So very excited to talk to the depths of those topics with you. Absolutely. I just found a website in the background there, uh, which had my <laughs> rabbit hole uh, perspective there. It's called punchlines.ai. Well, there we go. We're going to have to just like API that into StreamYard or something. And then you just throw it up as, as a banner. I just put in there, it's uh, meet your new AI comedy writing partner. You provide a joke setup and it generates the zingers. I'm going to have fun with this one. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. I'm very excited. Speaking well, of excited, off, you yeah, you mentioned that uh, Elon is in the chat. Uh, what did he announce uh, on November 5th, Gabe? Yeah, well, Elon went ahead and publicly announced Grok on the 5th of November. Now he's, he sort of launched XAI, I think only eight months ago or so, early in mm -hmm. 2023, as a bit of a competitor to ChatGPT and, of course, the origins of OpenAI, ChatGPT's sort of parent company, was founded by Elon. So he's sort of got all of the fingers and all of the pies, as you mentioned, offline prior to the episode. Well, I thought that was very clever the way that he announced that. And 
of course, previously he also took over Twitter, which is now of X. So he has a very interesting sort of database and all things uh, within the wider ecosystem of companies like Tesla and the like that he has to really launch his own model with, with AI. So very interesting yeah. that Grok takes a bit of a satirical spin. It's very humorous. It's kind of his AI in the chat. It is kind of Elon Musk in the chatbot. So um, very cool to see that sort of hit the waves of all things X and social media platforms in the last week. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's exciting for a number of reasons. You mentioned uh, briefly about uh, Elon Musk having a, a major part in founding what is now OpenAI and ChatGPT success. He has been very forward and very public about some of the criticisms he's had since leaving OpenAI or being forcibly removed. Um, and with that, creating now his own XAI, uh, it's been interesting to see how that develops and whether he follows some of the pathways that, that OpenAI have, because we all need to see commercialization to, to realize growth and whether he does that. I've noted already with uh, XAI that it's only open to verified users on X, which means there is some commercial incentive for people to pay to get their verified blue tick on X to access uh, the waitlist for XAI. So there's already some indicators that some of the criticisms that Elon has had about OpenAI is uh, now falling into the same puddle that, that he was criticizing them on. And then secondly, it's, it's really, you mentioned the satirical nature of XAI. I think this is a brilliant move. It is absolutely Elon Musk in a, in a chat bot, um, based on, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, but some of the satirical responses that you're seeing screenshots of and videos of at the moment are just out of this world funny. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's pretty crazy to see some of those examples. I think even just like one of the classic Elon Muskisms from way back in the day was putting cocaine back in Coca-Cola and uh, <laughs> lo and behold, he's calling us fuck if that could ever be a reality again in the future. So there's some sort of wild developments happening on these platforms, Ben. Yeah. Funny to see. It's bringing a, uh, a, a relationship factor to the, the user and the, the language model itself that I think OpenAI have missed. Um, and it's really starting to, to tug on the emotional strings of users because what the satirical XAI will do is, is, uh, bring in a different user base that perhaps doesn't see value in the use of open AI as it currently stands, but with XAI, they can get a laugh out of it. They can, they can pull a lot of content from there for whatever their means of, of content delivery is using that satirical nature. So I think they've. They've managed to understand OpenAI's market approach on that market share, but also expand that into a whole bunch of different users that haven't seen value in, in uh, OpenAI at the moment. Yeah, well, I think OpenAI also got a lot of criticism for not in real time. There was a big data limitation in the information, only really dating to September 2021. So there was a massive restriction. Let's circle back. On that in a moment, but certainly Ben, to your point about the relationship factor, and we all have a good laugh. I thought that it was very clever how playful and experimental Grok is, in terms of um, being quite again being quite playful and sort of pushing the bound boundaries of those typical conversational AI interactions, where they can almost be a little bit sort of on the edge of. There was even criticisms about being quite 
um, sort of political and censorship came into it all. And we know that's sort of the heated battle of, of Elon's favorite. So yeah, very interesting to see the satirical tone and the rebellious nature of Grok. I even took down a note here that doesn't shy away from answering spicy questions either. So very funny. <laughs> I think it's so good. And, uh, and some of the other key features, um, in, in the Grok foundation or the XAI foundation is that, uh, it's built on an autoregressive transformer based model, uh, which is different, differentiated to the open AI model. I'll do a bit of a debrief on, uh, on that. That was a hard one to say, wasn't it, Gabe? Is that what you're yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm, I'm actually still there. I'm just yeah. if you could if I, I bask in that for a moment. I'll do a deeper dive on that when I understand it more. Uh, it is only new to me, this, uh, this, this autoregressive transformer based model, which is pre-trained for that net token prediction. So I'm still learning about that. I know a lot of the audience and community will be still learning about that. So that's exciting to me. I'll do a bit more of a deeper technical dive on that in, in the coming episode so that we've got some taken from the, the brainiacs at uh, X and, and I'll divulge that into the lowest common denominator, Ben's technical, uh, deep dive. Yeah. Sounds good, Ben. I look forward to that as well, but maybe just to sort of circle, uh, narrow in a little bit more on X AI's Grok AI, just at yeah. the high level, from what I understood is sort of being the key six advantages or, or sort of benefits or what, what are drawing people towards it. And again, I think the timing is really interesting because Grok was released two days before OpenAI's dev day. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a very important aspect to this because the big thing everyone was really happy to see was the real-time information access that Grok was providing, right? Because again, OpenAI had that limitation. So that feature really set it apart from other AI models. I think also there was quite, as you mentioned, a focus on that broad usability. So it's quite accessible to a wider audience. It does look like it appeals to a wider general population, general public, and of course, database being sort of underpinned by X, formerly Twitter, means that it sort of hit the, hit the general public with like a big wave of like, okay, well, you know, Elon Musk has entered the chat bot, so to speak. So I thought that was really interesting timing. Well, not, not, not to be known at the time though, of course. And then all those things about the humorous and engaging style as we just spoke through. But if we do pivot over to OpenAI, Ben, if you're happy to, I think yeah. it's interesting to see what was released and then maybe we could draw some comparisons between the two and, you know, throw out the uh, critical analysis on what you think that means to sort of their user patients, how they're targeting it, maybe some variances or differentiations. And also then um, just like, it would be very interesting even just to talk about this again next week or the week after, because we do know that the pace of these announcements and feature enrichments and just like how people are adopting these technologies and developing other product services, use cases, and actually the utility behind these models has been just really fascinating to observe in general. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when we first started talking about or when OpenAI officially released ChatGPT in its initial instance, every day, every hour, or even every minute, there was more and more users than the platform release uh, globally ever. In the, at the start of the dev day, OpenAI said that more than a hundred million people are using the tool weekly. Weekly. Crazy. Crazy. What I found really fascinating about Sam Altman's keynote on the dev day, um, again, this is only 
six days ago, I think 7th mm -hmm. of November at the time of this podcast recording. So certainly announcing the 100 million weekly active users, done 2% of the Fortune 500, and there's an ecosystem of 2 million developers on the platform. Yeah. The thing though that really got me was when Sam Altman said very proudly, we've done no marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just like, that is wild. It's just absolute true product-led growth, true engineering innovation, and like real true, true, like, you know, the product is good when that's happening. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. And I think what OpenAI have done well is use their people as the marketing engine. Sam Altman being front and center of that, but also the CTOs, the engineers, all of the, the people that work within OpenAI have had some sort of uh, public offering, whether that's just through an interview, for, through a webinar, through a um, it, very simple uh, table stakes marketing, if you will. There's, there's no real cost to the marketing engine that they've created, which means that they take you haven't had any. And I think that's wonderful. What's exacerbated that is Elon Musk. He, he's got the biggest reach in, in forms of X and some of his, his other social outreaches. But him talking about OpenAI as much as he does, even if criticism has drawn more and more people to OpenAI. Yeah, for sure. And I think that developer community very much being kind of like connected first. You know, lots of eyeballs on the platforms like where all the dwellings are, you know, yeah. in the platforms like X. We see it a lot on LinkedIn. You know, just naturally there's a lot of organic attention on these sort of things. And the developer and engineering community very much being you know, on the keyboards, really coding this sort of stuff and developing utility for it. So I think that natural organic growth is just a really interesting time to observe. But also, again, just the fact that you're not sort of measuring customer acquisition costs and throwing in big budgets for, you know, AdSense and all this sort of stuff is just a, uh, it's just really cool to see. Yeah, I agree. Something you mentioned interesting before is 2 million developers that are building solutions through the API itself. One really key thing that, that I was blown away with in, in Dev Day is, uh, is GPTs, um, which is essentially going to blow that number out of the park. Uh, GPTs is essentially allowing users uh, or through, through no coding uh, so no coding experience required to become developers to create their own versions of GPT for fun or productivity, um, essentially allowing customers, uh, even enterprise customers to make internal only GPTs, which is built on the, the company or the open AI's knowledge bases. So at the moment you use chat GPT and you can select what language model to, uh, to formulate the return from. And you're now able to create your own GPTs using those language models for internal use cases uh, through no coding required. Um, it's allowing developers to connect to databases, all the knowledge bases like emails to import external information. Uh, there's going to be a wild range of, uh, of different creations and innovation as a result of that announcement. Just so cool, isn't it? I think it's amazing. And then to, to go even further than that, what will, uh, essentially they're, they're, they're creating what Amazon marketplace now has. So a lot of these, uh, GPTs, which is, it's just GPT with a, a lowercase S once uh, a developer, uh, with no coding experience required creates their innovative AI or GPTs. They're able to then in the future, and this was announced at Dev Day 2, able to publish the GPTs to a marketplace, uh, which mm. is coming, I believe, in November, if not December. 
Um, and then you're able to have creations from verified builders. So they're opening pathways to commercialize the build of these. Um, and then talking about paying people with popular GPTs, essentially commercializing the same way that social media commercialized content creation through the creation of, uh, of these GPTs on the marketplace. Yeah, that's really cool. So the introduction of the GPT store, so GPT being a bit more synonymous with like an agent, right? So, yeah. so they've developed these little mini AIs and they can be um, sort of posted on the marketplace, so to speak, which is, can be drawn out and customized. And then you get that sort of true network effect and proliferation of these different AI models for use in the, in the ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. There is, uh, there is something similar on market already, so it isn't groundbreaking. But what it is groundbreaking is is for chat GPT. And as we mentioned earlier, the hundred million users weekly. Uh, at the moment you can you can do a similar thing with Quora and Q O U O R A. Everyone knows that Quora platform. They've introduced Poe, uh, which is their AI chatbot, but they chatbot chatbot. Uh, uh, yeah, chatbot. Uh, the bootbot. But they have created uh, a creator economy as well, which is very similar to that uh, commercial uh, monetization uh, piece for creatives. Um, it does have a very significantly lower uptake in users than what ChatGPT does, but uh, it is interesting to see that these creators or uh, companies that have large language models and, uh, and consumer front-facing applications for them uh, to monetize it. I think that's uh, going to be a really interesting space to look at in the future to see some of the innovations that occur from that. Yeah, absolutely. Other big developments I took away were, of course, ch excuse me, uh, GPT-4 Turbo, just meaning yeah. it's, a, it's far more advanced, better performance, uh, larger limits for the developers to utilize and better pricing. That was a really key feature. Sam Altman in particular called out and he kind of made the comparison between been a lot of requests for either more speed mm. or better also kind of chose the better pricing and then more developments to come. And as mentioned earlier in the episode, you know, the big limitation for OpenAI's GPT-4 model was being the knowledge cutoff in April, uh, excuse me, the knowledge cutoff in September 2021. And now that's moved to being a lot more um, cutting edge. The cutoff yeah. cut now April 2023. So can browse the web, can provide up-to-date information. And in fact, when I jumped on my GPT plus uh, interface just earlier this morning, I actually noticed that there was a prominent pop-up to greet me, which said ChatGPT can now browse the web, analyze data, and generate images. All these capabilities being integral and built into the GPT-4 model. No need to select them and no need to sort of integrate them through some of the plugins. So big user, big advancement and improvement to the user experience, even in my personal sort of pilot of some of the new releases just today. Yeah, I think it's, um, <laughs> what they've focused on is user experience and, and they've really, they've really nailed that as what needs to become forefront of a lot of these, uh, uh AI based, uh, solutions. I don't even know what to classify them solutions, even the right term to use, but Having that user experience front of mind is is going to be critical. One thing I was excited for, and uh, and I know that my daughters are into it at the moment, is uh, is Dali, um, which is the the image uh, side to OpenAI's uh, product line. Um, it's now available through API with built-in moderation tools. 
Um, there's a whole different range of outputs um, with the new formatted API-based DALI, uh, and they've even changed the pricing model of DALI from uh, from what it currently stands at to four cents per generated image. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see if uh, if the uptake lessens or if it uh, increases, and we see a lot of the uh, the current imagery um, being less populated to to provide that misinformation uh, image uh, with with the misinformation. I think uh, a lot of them are targeting that free based DALI and some of the the other capabilities that exist by by generating those images and putting it against misinformation. Will this uh, four cents per generated image quash that or not? But the other thing to do with uh, DALI is also uh, the text-to-speech API game. I think mm. that's, uh, that's an interesting one. I know that uh, we've talked about that quite a bit is the audio API with six preset voices. It's got six presets being Alloy, Echo, Fable, Onyx, Nova, and Shimmer. And it can provide access to two generative AI models and it's priced at uh, 1.5 cents per 1,000 characters very cool i did notice that there was a big emphasis from sam altman on you guessed it multimodal capabilities in, multimodal uh, i know what that release. <laughs> which was a hot topic of discussion on the dark mode podcast only a couple of months ago ben cast our minds back bit bit of nostalgia there yeah but um yeah, yeah. certainly your point about mid-generation or to be like Big, big emphasis on, you know, taking photos of street signs and interpreting the actual crux of the issue or what people that we had earlier this morning, which was take a photo of the bike, don't know what's wrong with it. Take a photo of your tool set, recommendations to pick up this tool to fix this issue. All those other classic examples where you take a photo of your fridge and it whips up a recipe for you. So pretty cool how extracting intelligence from imagery and other forms and modes of media too. Yeah. There's um there's some really cool innovations that's happening around of the similar concepts. Um, this is on a completely side chat, and I'm about to rabbit hole something here, Gabe. I'm not sure if you've seen yet. Is the Humane AI pin? Have you seen that from the company Humane? No, I haven't. Let's do mm, it. This, I'm this excited. Is a rabbit hole and a half. Uh, essentially, it's a Humane, the company Humane's AI pin, uh, and you pin it to the uh, collar of your shirt. And essentially, it can uh, can assist you from anything, uh, from a, a laser light up display on your hand with your phone. Uh, you can ask it questions at any time, and it will answer in real time. Um, it's essentially a seven hundred dollar smartphone alternative. So you could leverage that uh, for all things smartphone for seven hundred dollars, alongside having a real time AI generated friend with you. Uh, so you can essentially look at a broken bike and, and ask the AI pin what's wrong with this and it will give you feedback based on what it's seeing. Mm, very cool. Well, we have to do a bit of a demo day on dark mode at some point, Ben. You can show us. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to get your feedback on, Gabe, that was announced is the Corporate Shield program. What are your thoughts on Corporate Shield? Well, the Corporate Shield program from OpenAI just really being around the legal protection so yeah. uh, I thought that was pretty cool that it does open that, that, it does, that, that it does offer that, apologies. Um, Sam also made a big point to say like none of the information is sort of drawn from those other models that might be proprietary or sort of um, true to that IP. 
of the OpenAI users. So pretty cool that that's also now a key feature of the OpenAI offering. Yeah. I think it brings them in line with the likes of Microsoft and Google and Amazon and, and IBM all with similar ones, but have come out recently and announced that they'll indemnify customers against their IP infringement claims. It really does bring them into a, a maturity curve that OpenAI seem to be on with a lot of these announcements. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the benefit of having the partnership of Microsoft. No noting mm -hmm. that. So that means uh, some guest keynote, guest speaker as part of the key. You know, he made a joke to Sam say, Sam, we've come a long way since asking for more credits, which I found pretty funny. But yeah. when you have to those sort of business leaders, that sort of ecosystem, you know, and even reading Gates' notes recently from Gates about how he was thinking about agents only well, 30 years ago, and as he was writing about them in 1995, it's just pretty cool to see how much maturation is naturally coming, but certainly the strength of the partnerships with often the brightest minds really working on this sort of stuff is pretty phenomenal as it's really coming to fruition. Yeah. Um, I am a late uh, arriver to Gates Notes. It's only been in the last two weeks that I've subscribed to Gates Notes. Uh, and I, I wish I had taken up your uh, your offering on Gates Notes. I think in episode two or even episode one, you mentioned Gates Notes. Potentially, um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it is it is a really fascinating read. In, in the most recent one, uh, he talks about AI is about to completely change how these computers. And one of the, the lines he says in here that I really had a good crack up at is that Flippy was not a bot, not an agent. It was the first essential AI helper tool. And I would still get a tattoo of Clippy today if anyone wants to join me. Well, if you, we need some sort of challenge for you to get a tattoo of Clippy. I will do surely. it. Surely. What would you do it for? You just do it. You just do it. 20 bucks is 20 bucks, Gabe. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think Clippy helped me get through a lot of my childhood at school. Like it's just, and you look back now and what, Open API I've created with ChatGPT and some of the uh, the the agent-based solutions that are tacking onto ChatGPT. Like you've got mm. uh, for a keyboard, you've got imports for phone calls. Clippy was the first sort of evolution of what we're now seeing realized, and that was well ahead of its time. Digital yeah, calls it. Yeah, for sure, it was ahead of its time, and I think that's you know thanks to Bill Gates because he does write about that in the Gates Notes article you just referenced there. We'll throw that in as a reference on the episode, but, you know, he made the point to say Clippy was a bot, not, a, you know, a fully blown AI agent, so to speak, but Bill certainly had the foresight to say, this is the future and what to expect. Yeah. Um, maybe the difference being that, you know, this new conversational AI interface can mean that it's quite proactive in terms of the suggestions, but you can now take it a little step, quite a significant step further when it's turns into the agent where it's a little bit more autonomous. It's kind of acting on second, third, fourth, and so on, order effects and the like. So yeah, just the advancement. And I think only thanks to improvements in processing speed, you know, the advancement in the, in the models and machine learning turning into true AI now, really that's only happened in the last year. It's pretty phenomenal to see, but I think that frontier is actually here as it relates to the agents. So we might have to get, you know, a little Ben, not AI Sullivan clippy version for the oh. future as a tattoo instead. Who knows? If uh, I could <laughs> rename my daughter Clippy, that'd be kind of. <laughs> 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 
Um, in the Sullivan household. Yeah. <laughs> One of the, there's that, that article I think is, is fantastic. And, and just to yeah. hone in on, on a previous point, I literally just made the Gates notes. If anyone hasn't subscribed to it, please do. I think it's fascinating. Um, in this one, Bill Gates also talks about how agents are not only going to change how everyone interacts with computers, that they're going upend the software industry, bringing about the biggest revolution in computing since we went from typing commands to tapping on icons. I think that is such an underappreciated shift in, uh, in computing. I hadn't thought about it until I read that line in, in Gates's notes. When we went from typing commands in MS-DOS, um, and I'm not sure if you remember that, but for to get, we used to use Hyperterminal to get in and download video games or talk to other people using uh, chat command, but it was all command based on MS-DOS and things like uh, cheat codes for video games, which is what I was into at the time because I was probably only 10, 11. Um, using these MS-DOS commands, how far we've come in that, that evolutionary shift from typing MS-DOS commands into just tapping an application on a smartphone or tapping an application on a desktop or a laptop, that is a huge development I think has gone under the radar and AI is going to completely shift that even further. I would subscribe to your Substack for $10 a month to read more details about that, Ben. We're halfway to a clippy tattoo there. <laughs> exactly. You are right though. Just like the advancements that have happened over the last 30 years, is it? Yeah. Crazy. Keeps accelerating. I, honestly, I had not thought of how much of an evolutionary change that was to go from command-based output to user clicking or tapping a screen. That's, that's such a big shift, but I don't think it is appreciated as much as it should be. I know there's a few people that listen to the, the podcast in the community that are going to be sitting there with a bit of a mind melt as well. Yeah, absolutely. Newer generations as well. Yeah. But I digress. We're still talking about Clippy and AI. Um, big shout out to Clippy. Yeah. The, maybe if we round out some of the comparisons and implications, Ben, I certainly understand OpenAI to be truly for the developer community. I think yep. Rock AI... Uh, general math public but also i think it's going to be super useful for elon musk's products and services ecosystem so a bit of a differentiation there in terms of the application of the systems and potentially where we'll see them head in the future as well yeah yeah i agree i think uh the technical side too uh, open ai and ai are both open source much to Elon Musk's preference of having uh, transparency in the build process which which i appreciate so they're very similar there, both built on advanced uh, modeling, advanced la large language models, um, but they have completely different focuses in my opinion. And, uh, and I feel that once they both mature or at least XAI matures to where uh, OpenAI's programs are, um, they're going to be able to run side by side. I don't think it's going to be if one, if other, it's going to be a boat uh, to achieve outcomes. So you think they're going to be parallel, do you? Yeah, I think so. I think they're, they're both on a path to, to create something different. Um, I think it's going to be more personal assistant driven for XAI and more outcome focused for OpenAI. Yeah. yeah uh, maybe because I score high in disagreeableness, but I, I think that they <laughs> take a pro, an antagonist view, viewpoint. But I do think that 
Yeah, I mean, the value is different, right? Like different audiences, different yeah. applicability, like we've been speaking about. But I see, you know, I just see Elon as this character that wants to be quite an independent thinker and not as part of this. You know, there's always a throwaway joke about open AI not being open and, you know, now it's be- become commercialized. But under yeah. the covers, realize that Elon Musk only a short while ago requested and got signatories to say, let's put a pause to AI development. And then lo and behold, he's now released very publicly his own system. People are very quick to forget history. And I think there's something there to say, you know, I don't think, yeah, I don't think to coexist by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Well, they'll certainly coexist on my devices. I think, uh, I'll find two different both. Um, one to the requests that'll be XAI and, uh, and open AI to do life for me. Um, but no, I completely, and, and to your point, people are quick to forget history. I'd forgotten. Um, it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about the letter he did, uh, the open letter that he published. Yeah, exactly. So I think you can't really trust the, what's on the surface level. There was even a comment about. Potentially, open AI has achieved so the AGI level of superiority in these models, and that's going to be a mm. whole gamut of, you know, um, implications on humanity. And just last week, and again, we're talking about such a finite period of time that's lapsing in between these advancements. And I just can't help but think, how far behind are we as learning about this from the headlines in the news? When potentially this is a lot more mature than we even realise as of right now. With the executive order only coming out last week and us speaking about privacy and governance and safety and the third party testing, um, you have private organizations moving at just like breakneck speed. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not really right in the forefront in the inner circle as to what's truly advancing and happening. So it just really makes me wonder as to like how far ahead are we actually at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and to throw a spanner in the works too, I, we've got, you know, Microsoft investing with open AI, we've got Google's Bard, we've got, uh, is XAI uh, and Amazon in the last couple of days have come out and announced that, uh, they're dedicating millions of dollars, uh, in, in resource, uh, to train their AI model codename Olympus, uh, which is going to be another, uh, vendor another solution into the same market as uh, OpenAI's ChatGPT and XAI. That's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Whereas OpenAI's current GPT-4 model, and this doesn't include GPT's uh, Turbo, uh, I think that could change things. But uh, the current GPT-4 model uh, is reported to only have a trillion parameters, uh, whereas the the, uh, the Amazon Olympus is looking at achieving two trillion parameters. I think also there's Meta in the mix. There's deep Meta mind. in the mix too. That's true. Meta's going to come in there after they stop uh, playing with threads. Uh, it's just an interesting platform in itself. Um, and for context too, for 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 the audience listening, um, there's lots of discussions at the moment about uh, will AI or can it currently compete with the brain, the human brain itself. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, one trillion parameters and two trillion parameters, which is really the threshold that we're currently at with AI LLMs, um, the brain itself has up to a hundred trillion, uh, connectors or parameters. So, um, although we don't use as much as the brain as we should, and for people like me, a little bit less, uh, but it is, it's one of those things where, you know, 
at the moment, you can ask uh, ChatGPT questions and it will respond using one trillion parameters with more intelligence than, than we can retrieve information from our brain storage capacity too. So uh, there's lots of conversations happening at the moment around uh, the brain versus AI trained models. Yeah, well, we get pretty deep into a philosophical debate at this point, don't we? Because we did cover this earlier to say, like, what is the fundamental yeah. definition of intelligence? And is this really the arms race that we want to be on because of the mix of the other implications that this sort of stuff has? But yeah, definitely a valid point around the parameters and what's under the covers in terms of how these lang large language models are developed and lots and lots of competition and eyeballs at the moment to see how it can apply to real-world use cases and benefit businesses, humanity, society, power, et cetera. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's certainly a big one. Uh, the other thing I'm interested to see what happens with XAI is uh, how they embed it because there's talks already about embedding it within Tesla. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think we'll cool. see a lot more of that. Tesla, everything. It'll be eventually in Neuralink, all sorts of stuff. So. We uh, jump into the transhumanism episode of the Dark Mode podcast. Trans, that's, I've got to research that topic, transhumanism. <laughs> All right, Ben, that's a wrap, hey? Anything else? Any uh, last sum summary on uh, what you're expecting to see next week out of the arms race that is AI? The brains race. <laughs> the uh, brains race. Honestly, who knows? Um I wish I could put a finger on what's going to happen next week. I can't even put a finger on what's going to happen tomorrow with this race. But you know what? I think that's the most exciting part about this whole AI journey that, uh, that humanity's on and, and understanding what it means, how it impacts, how we can live alongside, how we can benefit humanity. I think there's, uh, it's a really interesting time in, in innovation and development. Yeah, absolutely. Need like an hourly newsfeed at this point to see what the latest and greatest is. So Yeah. Until, until next week when we've got something new to talk about, Ben, which will be plenty more, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, and a challenge for the community too. Uh, I'm interested to see the best images of Clippy. And who knows, maybe one of them will be a tattoo on, uh, on Benjamin, not A.R. Sullivan. Clippy reinvented. Send us Clippy in. reinvented. Send him through my LinkedIn. I'm keen to see him. Uh, shoot him my way. <laughs> Amazing. And keep an eye out for going to release a bit of a synopsis on this topic on Substack. So head over, check out my Substack, Dave Mazzano, and uh, let me know what you think. I am going to take the liberties to take Clippy Reinvented first, Advent, so stay tuned. Please do. <laughs> that excites me. I'm going to be on Substack. That's released like the rest of the drink. <laughs> Love it. Too good, Ben. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to your opening pun on the next episode. So on the edge of my seats at this point. Me too. That's, I'm going to try and make it about being on the edge of the seat. That's going to be my topic. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks, crew. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next episode of Dark Mode.